The False Gospel Test. So what is the False Gospel Test? Add anything, absolutely anything, to the work and the cross of Christ, and you've got a false gospel, as we'll see next. Again, greetings in Christ and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our series on the five solas will continue today as we take a look at solus Christus or Christ alone. It is that doctrine that we glean from scriptures that tell us that if we add anything to the person and work of Christ, then we find ourselves with a gospel that is no gospel at all. So the significance of Christ alone is up next. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast. Join us. There's no compromise that's possible between those who believe God has spoken and those who either don't believe it or don't accept it or don't think moral judgments should inform public policy. Now, against all that, against the prevailing moral relativism of our day, you have the exclusive claims regarding Jesus Christ. And this flies in the face of our culture. So let's look at some of these. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That he is the only Son of God. There's no other. There's only one. That sounds a little exclusive to me. But that's what the word of God says. That he gave his one and only son. That if you want eternal life, you better believe in him. Or you're going to perish. Doesn't sound like a tolerant view to me. Not only is he the only son of God. He is the only name. Acts 4.12, we know this verse, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, what? By which we must be saved. What does that mean? This isn't the price is right. You know, we don't have Carol Barrow up here standing in front of a curtain. Do you want this one, one, two, or three? It doesn't work that way. And yet our society, in even most of our churches, has kind of enveloped that kind of thinking. And so we just want to love up on everybody. We don't want to teach doctrine. We don't want to teach the the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ because that may turn some visitors away. And we just want to fill the church up. We just want to have a big party here on Sunday morning so we can say our church is full. So we're willing to compromise whatever it takes. I say to that, no. No, no, no. We're going to stand upon the truth of the Word of God. And if that means there's nobody here on Sunday morning, so be it. I'll be preaching to myself. But there's something to be said to being faithful to the sovereign God who created us and to His Word, His gift to us as His church. So He's the only Son of God. He's the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. Thirdly, he is the only way. John 14, 6. You hear this a lot of times at funerals. But Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, who? No one comes to the Father except through one of these doors. No, through me. I mean, do you understand that this was Jesus Christ himself saying this? 
This was the same guy that most religious people said, well, he was a good teacher. Oh, he was a prophet. He was one of the prophets. I mean, what do they do with this? We must have had a bad day. Maybe, you know, maybe he didn't really mean that. Or, no, it's pretty simple. I mean, it, like I said, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what I am the way means. He doesn't even say, I'm one of many ways. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Ken taught about this several weeks ago. This is so important that we understand this. Why? Because as a church, you know what? We have to stop kowtowing to the society we live in and be willing to stand up on the truth of the word of God and say, no, this is true. And then be willing to take the barrage of arrows and whatever else comes our way. Because we stand upon the word of God. Fourthly, he is the only mediator between God and man. And this comes into play as we get further into this solus Christus. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. So what that verse is saying is that, you know what? Here's man down here on earth. God's up in heaven. How are you going to bridge that gap? There's only one way. There's only one bridge. That is the man, Jesus Christ. That is the work of Christ. That is who Christ was. He is the mediator. What does a mediator do? He mediates. Not difficult. Tries to bring these two parties together. See, there's no way that you're going to ever get together with your God and creator unless you go through the only mediator that there is. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do an end around. You can't say, well, you know, I'll go over here to talk to Buddha for a while. Maybe he'll let... No, it's not going to work. It's very clear, exclusively, Christ is the mediator. The fifth thing here is that he is the only sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10, 12 says this, look at this. But when this priest had offered for all time, who's the priest? Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, just one, just took one. He doesn't have to come week after week and offer himself again and again and again. He doesn't need some priest to pull him out of heaven and and through the the, the sacrament of communion, lay him on the altar and sacrifice Christ over and over and over every week. That is heresy. That is wrong from every way you look at it. Because that verse says, when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin... Sins, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. What does that mean? That means it's done. What did he say? What were his last words? It's finished. It's over. You don't have to do anything else. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. That you know what? When I am saved, when I am secure in Christ, I am just that. There's nothing more that I can do to be more saved. I mean, isn't that a good feeling? I mean, this is a wonderful feeling. You know what? If I have a horrible day and boy, things just go down the tubes. At the end of the day, I know that, you know what? I'm still saved. Why? Because my salvation is not based on that. My salvation is based on the work of Christ. 
And that doesn't motivate you to run out of here and sin more, saying, well, who cares then? No, that should motivate you to what? Live for him more and more. You want to be the best representative of our Lord and Savior you can be in this lost and dying world. Why? Because that may draw one or two other people along with you. He is the only sacrifice for sin. And I would just say that, you know what? Unfortunately, today the church has taken those basic exclusive claims from Christ and his word. And unfortunately, they have watered them down. They have watered them down drastically. And I'm just here to say we don't have a right to water them down. I mean, you can reject them if you want. You can call them narrow-minded. You can say, you know what, they don't apply to us today. But the fact still remains that Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, is utterly the exclusive Savior. He's the only way. He and he alone stands, and no one can be compared with him. And I know that flies in the face of society. It flies in the face of our contemporary thinking. I mean, to say to someone that Jesus is the only way to heaven, I mean, people just don't get it. They don't want to hear that. I mean, that's like intellectual suicide to most intellectuals today, if you were to make a claim like that. If you dare to proclaim what the Bible really says about Jesus, you risk being branded a fool, a nut, worse, maybe even a narrow-minded fundamentalist. (laughs) You could be pigeonholed, you could be criticized, you could be ridiculed, you could be ostracized. But you know what? We don't have a right to pretend to follow Jesus unless the Jesus we are following is really the Christ, the Jesus of the New Testament. It's expressly that exclusivity of Christ that separates him from every other religious leader in the world, beloved. I would even say that it's, it's, it's better to reject Christ altogether than to try to water down some of his exclusive claims. Let's just call it for what it is. You have to come face to face with what the writings of Scripture tell us. He is not one among many. Picking a Savior is not like going down and figuring out what jar of pickles you want. It doesn't work that way. I feel like a dill pickle today. Or... See, we can't be cavalier about these things. These are, these are things that where eternal life hangs in the balance of souls... All truth is narrow, including the truth about Jesus Christ. Think about it. Two plus two equals four. Doesn't equal five. It doesn't equal six. It doesn't even equal seven. It equals four. You can say all day long, you don't believe it. It doesn't change the fact that two plus two equals four. See, Jesus is either who he says he was in the New Testament, or else he's not the Son of God at all. In fact, he's just like one of the gods that our society creates day in and day out. You might say, that sounds intolerant. I don't know about you, but I I don't always think that being intolerant is so bad. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go to San Jose Airport and I'm going to get on an airplane. If I got on the airplane, I'm giving my ticket to the stewardess and I get on the airplane, I hear the mechanic talking to the, the pilot in the cockpit there as I'm walking by. And he goes, well, you know, engine two could blow up at any time, but I think we can get one more flight out of it. I might pause and I might say, well, wait a minute. This is not 
you know, it's, it's good to be intolerant in that thing. Let's just go by the, what the flight manual says and, and let's ground this aircraft, right? See, the truth about Jesus and about who he is, that's the living foundation of the church. And I don't just mean this church, I mean the universal church. When Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, he was saying that, you know what, this rock, this, this church would be built upon men, upon women who steadfastly proclaim the truth about who he was because he's the rock that the church is built upon. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. We are not. Well, secondly, how does this play into so many of the contemporary counterfeits quickly that we see around us today? What are some of these counterfeits? Uh, spiritual counterfeits, I call them. There's four, briefly. The first one is Christ plus the church. In other words, there's, there's some belief today, even among Christians, that somehow by joining a church or going through the membership class or maintaining regular membership... Somehow, if they're a loyal supporter of the church, that that's their way to heaven. Trust me, you could be sitting here till the, from the time you were born till the time you die. If your hope is not in Christ, in Christ alone, one day you will be in hell. Because you have, would have forsook the only answer for the forgiveness of your sins. Even though you may have served the church for years. It's not Christ plus the church. That's a counterfeit. Second counterfeit is Christ plus baptism. There's a lot of people, even within Christianity, that feel salvation depends on baptism. Well, if you're baptized, then you're saved. Whether it's at the hands of a priest when you're just an infant, you know, you have no clue what's going on, they're sprinkling water on your head, or you're up here in the baptismal and you're getting dunked in our baptism, or as we're going to do uh, tomorrow afternoon, baptize our grandkids in the ocean. Okay, it doesn't matter. If you're thinking somehow that your baptism has something to do with your salvation, you're wrong. Because then baptism would become what? It would become a work. And my heart breaks for the thief on the cross. Because Jesus must have lied to him when he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Because last time I checked, he wasn't baptized. It's a counterfeit. Do we believe in baptism? Definitely. Believer's baptism? Definitely. It was modeled for us in scripture. People come to Christ. They, they follow Christ through the waters of baptism. Jesus himself, as an example, was baptized. That's nothing to do with your salvation. It's a testimony of what God has done in your life. It's a picture of you dying to yourself and coming out of that water renewed in Christ. But it's a picture. Thirdly, Christ plus Mary or the saints. And I put that in there just because of my Catholic background. A lot of Catholics, whether they're conscientious about this or just unconsciously, have added Mary and the saints to their faith in Jesus Christ. And they've done that because that's what the church teaches, in all honesty. They teach Mariology. They teach the worship of Mary. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Mary was the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. But she was Mary. She was a sinner just like you and I. And unfortunately, the Catholic Church doesn't teach that. When the Catholic Church talks about the Immaculate Conception, a lot of people who aren't familiar with the Catholic Church think, well, they're talking about, you know, Jesus being born of a virgin. Well, yes, but they're also talking about Mary's immaculate conception, which is taught nowhere. And Mary herself proclaimed Christ as her Savior. So it's kind of, you know, it's a mixed up bag of counterfeits. And that's why it's important to understand solus Christus, that you know what? We have Christ and Christ alone, and that's all we need. 
We don't need Mary. We don't need the saints. We don't need to pray to no other God. Somehow, people believe that by doing those things, they can earn God's grace. Things like lighting candles or burning incense, making a special offering in the name of a saint, offering masses for the dead. It goes on and on and on. That's a counterfeit. That's not what Scripture teaches. Fourthly, Christ plus good works of any kind. And this kind of breaks out of the Catholic model that we're using here, but, but even just in, in, in our own church. If you're trusting in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ and his work on Calvary, if you're trusting in your own good works, if somehow you think that, you know, working in the fellowship hall or working in Sunday school or helping here with the grounds and serving in the sound, somehow that earns you God's grace, it doesn't. I mean, we appreciate it. We want you to help out. But if you're doing it for the wrong reason, stop. Stop. Because good works of any kind will not save you. Some people are of the persuasion that, you know, they're, they're under the, they know that Jesus must save them. But they also believe that there's kind of something they have to do to, to close the deal. I mean, the Bible is, is very, very clear. We sang a song in Christ alone. I mean, that trips a lot of people up. Everybody who claims to be a Christian understands that Jesus must play some part in our salvation. That's what they say. See, the question is the some part. See, that's not the same as saying, no, he plays the only part. And it's because of errant teaching of a man-centered salvation that we have today that we choose God and, and, and we do this and we do that and I came to Christ and, and I understand sometimes those phrases are used innocently but what I would ask you to do is to be more diligent about that and to say that no I didn't find God he found me that he saved me that he brought me to himself to trust in Jesus means to trust so completely in him that you are willing Listen to this, that you are willing to go to hell if Jesus alone cannot save you. That's what it means to trust in Jesus. To trust in Jesus Christ means to trust so completely in him that you are willing even to go to hell if Jesus alone cannot save you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Or we aren't going to heaven at all. James Montgomery Boyce said this, Solus Christus means that Jesus has done it all so that now no merit on the part of man, no merit of the saints, no work of ours performed either here or in purgatory can add to the completed saving work. In fact, any attempt to add to it is a perversion of the gospel and indeed no gospel at all. Nothing needs to be added to that statement. Both Luther and Calvin would gladly say amen to those words. Jesus is the king we need. Implications that you can come directly to Christ without any human mediators. That's a central implication of the Protestant Reformation. You don't need to go through any church. Our church or any other church. You can go to God. You just go home. You get on your knees and you come before God. and You ask Christ to save you. He will. Because he's the only mediator, you don't need to go to a priest or a pastor or anybody else. When Christ died on the cross, secondly, he completed the work of salvation. He said, it is finished. It is finished. Paid in full is the idea. There's nothing you can add to your own salvation. 
Thirdly, saving faith is nothing less than total reliance on Christ alone, wholly apart from human works or human effort of any kind. And then fourthly, when Christ saves us, we are completely and eternally saved. Salvation does not depend on us. In fact, it's entirely outside of us. And since we're totally dependent on Jesus Christ, we can rest assured that those whom God saves, he saves forever. The God who cannot change will not change his mind toward us. He who called us is faithful, and he will finish the work of salvation he began in us. And just as Christians going out into a lost and dying world, I leave this with you. You have to preach Christ. Don't preach self-improvement. Because apart from Christ, there is no hope of salvation. Apart from God, there is no basis for self-esteem and no sure foundation for self-improvement. I mean, you can speak about becoming a better husband or father, teach people how to learn a larger income, make a larger income, whatever, overcome their bad habits. One theologian said that's kind of like rearranging the the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's not going to make any difference in the end. The boat's going down. When When it comes to Jesus... I think too many people have a hand grenade faith. They think, you know what? Close is good enough. (laughs) It's not. Most people believe in Jesus just a little bit. But they believe that Jesus plus something will save them. When you scratch under the surface, they don't really believe in Jesus alone as their only hope of salvation at all. But to believe in him 95%, beloved, to say, you know, I believe in Jesus 95%. You're guaranteed that you're 100% lost. Closing, let me share with you five words that will take you all the way to heaven. If you take these five words to heart and you make them part of your life, if you'll say them from your heart, believe them, rest upon them, these, these five words will take you to heaven when you die. It's simply this, Jesus only and only Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us. Father, so many people are asking the question, well, how can I find God? We're to tell them, Jesus is the answer. What about peace? How can I find peace? Jesus is the answer. Who can forgive our sins? Jesus is the answer. Who can give us new life? Jesus is the answer. Who opens the door to heaven? Jesus. How can I get rid of my guilt? Jesus. Who can save a sinner like me? Jesus. Who can put the shambled pieces of my life back together the answer is Jesus to all those questions and the most deep questions of life if you want to meet Jesus you simply have to do one thing you simply have to run to the cross run to the cross lay hold of that bloody cross upon which the son of God died and never let go if you want your questions answered your sins forgiven if you want to be sure of heaven then make sure that you go to Jesus and Jesus alone. Father, we pray that you would lead us and guide us in our faith. Pray today that you would just bless us as our time over in the fellowship hall. And uh, Father, we, um, we thank you for the gift of your son, that he secured our salvation, even before the foundation of the world, the Bible says. And so, Father, we pray today that as we leave this place as believers in you, that we would feel built up in our faith, that we would feel bold, a boldness that can only come to you to go out and to encounter a lost and dying world. Lord, help us not to compromise. Help us not to become sheepish in our 
attempt to proclaim Christ. But Lord, help us to be bold and to stand up for the truth that you've given to us. And Lord, we pray for anyone here this morning who's yet to put their faith or trust in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would show them their need of a Savior, that you would convict their heart of their sin, that you would show them that Christ is the only answer, and that they would humbly come to you, come to the cross, broken, repentant, willing to turn from their sin to the Savior, asking you to change them, to turn them into the person that you desire them to be. Be merciful to me, a sinner. That's a prayer that when prayed from a humble, repentant heart, God will answer. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth.